We're a relational church. We are family. We saw that in Colossians 1. Open up Colossians, um, if you haven't already. 1182. We're a relational church. And Paul starts off talking about um, being family. Talks about Timothy, our brother, in verse 1. To the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So Christ is the one who joins us together. That was the big lesson of last week. That it's not just that I'm a Christian and I'm united to Christ and I have this nice relationship with Christ. But no, if you have Christ, you have each other. You can't divide the two. Faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. God is our Father. And also we're God's holy people. We're a people like Israel. We are the new Israel called to be holy. And the Colossians have this incredible, famous even, love. Look at uh, 1 verse 4. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. So they, they, they're burning with this love for all God's people. And we were thinking about how we struggle to love everyone in the church. Um, how we maybe just have our favourites or people we naturally get on with, but church isn't a kind of friendship group that you pick. It, it's family. Uh, the tie is the blood of Christ. That's how tight it is, and we think about what that looks like for us to be family. And tonight we're going to think about our second value. So first up, we're a relational church, embracing overcoming city life to be family. Second, we are a discipling church. Discipling. Um, equipping a generation to live all of life for Jesus. You'll see that in your, your study, it says that. We're a discipling church, equipping a generation to live all of life for Jesus. So this idea of discipling, we're thinking about growing as Christians, living our life for him. And as a church, we're about discipling, that is, growing as disciples of Jesus, as followers of him. So that's our focus tonight. So let me pray, and then we'll begin. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've taught us so far. Thank you for this book of Colossians, that it is so rich and so amazing, and you have written it for us. So please help us to listen and to learn from you. We want to sit at your feet, not to assume that we know what it means to be a church, or even what it means to grow as a Christian. But Lord, we do want to grow as Christians. We don't just want to cruise through this life. We want to know what it means to be mature in you. So please teach us and help us and transform us by Christ. In his name, amen. Okay, um, tonight we're going to be thinking about this wheel. Ooh, no, I don't want to move it. Right, so here's my wheel. I want you to imagine it's a car wheel. Go with me on this, okay. Um, okay, here's my wheel. And um, I want to get the wheel to turn. Um, and I've got various methods I might try to get this wheel to turn. I could try shouting at the wheel. Turn! Do you think it's going to work? <laughs> spin. Think spinny thoughts. Turn. Be a wheel. Okay. I could try more of a kind of self-esteem building approach. Very good looking wheel. Very round. You're very wheelie. You have wheelie features. You can do this. You're a great wheel. Be a great wheel. Okay, self-esteem's not working. I could try the kind of coaching um, angle on this wheel. A kind of five steps to being a really good wheel. Be the wheel you were made to be. So step one, be round. Step two, turn. I'm coaching you, wheel. Come on. 
Okay, it's not working, as you might be able to see. What the wheel needs is plugging into something. It needs, imagine it's a car wheel, it needs plugging into an engine, right? That's the thing that's going to make it turn. Me shouting at it, me coaching it, me giving it some kind of therapy, some self-esteem help, isn't just going to get this thing to turn. It needs an engine. The engine has the power to make the wheel turn. And my techniques aren't going to work. Now, I want you to imagine that we, Christians, are like the wheel. Yeah? That was an obvious link, wasn't it? We are like the wheel. We want not to turn. We want to grow as Christians. We want to live out this Christian life, following Jesus, being a disciple. We want to say no to sin. We want to live all of life um, for Jesus. So what kind of things do we try to help us be animated to live this life? Well, many of us actually try the shouting approach, the kind of spin, love Jesus more, stop sinning, just stop doing that. You got angry again. That's the last time. No more anger. No more anger. Think happy thoughts. Don't do it. Have you ever done that where you kind of told yourself, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do that. That's wrong. Stop it. And then you find some way of doing it again. That's one way we try and um, get ourselves to live the Christian life. The other is maybe the self-esteem kind of approach. The kind of affirmation um, you're great. You can do this. If, if you just look inside of yourself, Phil, you'll see that you have the power to be this awesome Christian. I went to a, a kind of mission training thing once where we had to stand in a circle. Oh, it, was, it was so awkward. Because, well, one, we had to look at each other in the eyes. I'm a British, and that was just, like, weird. Um, and say, Johnny, you will be great. <laughs> oh man, it was so awkward. It, we just had to say, you will be great. And give each other this kind of positive therapy, and, and somehow that was going to make us great in mission. Other of us are, are more the coaching types in life, in work, that kind of thing. We like to have a, a clear goal and a series of steps that we take to get to that goal, and that makes us happy when we know we'll achieve it. So it's kind of, well, if I've got three uh, steps to spiritual success, then I will become mature. I will live the Christian life. If I read this Christian book and go to this conference or have this kind of spiritual experience, then that will make me a mature disciple of Christ. I just need to do these things that are laid out before me. Then which one maybe resonates with you. But do you notice what's missing from all of those approaches to growth? Christ. Christ is missing. There's willpower. There's positive thinking. There are rules. There are very clear steps. But Christ isn't there. And so we end up trying to grow as Christians like the wheel separate from the engine, trying all these things, but actually lifeless and without power. We know that Christ is absolutely essential for getting saved, right? So to to be saved, to become a child of God, to become a Christian, I need Jesus, I need his death and resurrection for me. But now these techniques and these kind of steps or this therapy or whatever, they're what's going to help me live now the Christian life. But Christ is missing. And we try all these things, but we're, and here's the key, we are in the wrong place. We are disconnected from the engine. Like this wheel here on this chair in this room is useless, but if it was somewhere else stuck into an engine, it would be fine. We are in the wrong place. And so this is the key question for tonight. And this is the key question for 
your Christian life, our Christian growth as, as a church, where are we? That's the key question. Where are we? Are we connected to the engine or are we sitting lifeless somewhere? Are we connected to Christ or trying to grow somewhere else? Before we get to how, we're asking the where question, where are we? Now the Colossians, they're in danger of being in the wrong place for Christian growth. There was a list of kind of different uh, spiritual sounding, very tangible practices um, that were going around at the time that really promised them Christian growth and, and life. We can read about some of them in Colossians. Uh, let's have a look at verse 16. Paul says, um, do not let, uh, 2 verse 16, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. So there are these people coming along talking about the eat this, drink this, don't eat this, don't drink this, keep these festivals, and, and there's a kind of promise of growth there. Look down to verse uh, 21 where we have these rules that are being banded around. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, Paul says, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So there's all these different things, and they were potentially very enticing for the Colossians. You know, religious festivals, Sabbath days, that sounds even kind of biblical. These things, if you do them, will keep you on track. uh, Verse 22 says they're commands, they're rules. It's kind of like the five steps to spiritual success. They'll keep you from sinning. It's hard to work out exactly what the things were, um, it looks like it probably involves some kind of food rules where you get the do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, you know, don't eat this, do eat this, and you, that'll help you kind of spiritually. Um, you'll conquer your sin. Verse 23, Paul talks about um, harsh treatment of the body. So kind of a, a self-discipline of your body will help you become so disciplined that you will overcome sin, that kind of idea. And Paul gets it. He says in verse 23 at the very bottom of of that page, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. It's like they look attractive. Think about those things I talked about before, the self-esteem approach. It can look really good and it it might even work for a bit. It's just to kind of be really positive about yourself and that might give you a little bit of a lift in life. So will telling yourself to stop something and putting, uh, uh, sorry, uh, sometimes we will um, kind of, like I said, t- tell ourselves to stop something. We might put some rules in place to stop us um, sinning. And that might work for a bit. So the kind of rules and practices we might put in place. Uh, say you find yourself getting angry. So perhaps you take some time each day just to kind of calm yourself, that kind of thing. Uh, things like mindfulness are big at the moment, that kind of self kind of calming. You find you're not a very generous person. You want to grow in generosity. So you're like, okay, set up a standing order for a charity. I, I, I can do something. And, and now I've done that. That's going to make me a generous person. You might struggle with something like pornography. And so you tell yourself, don't do that. And you kind of up your safe search settings on Google, whatever it is. And many of these things can be helpful. And they can get you so far. And things like 
changing your safe search settings, I'd recommend that you do. But Paul wants us to see the heart of the matter. Verse 13, at the very end. These rules, they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Avoiding temptation is a good idea. Countering the lack of generosity by giving to charity is good. Safe searches and things like that help remove temptation. They're good. But by themselves, just being told, don't do that, do this, lack any deep power to actually change us. You know, you may be given to charity, but actually your heart still just lacks generosity. But you've done something. You might do mindfulness or whatever and feel a little calmer, but you've actually not dealt with the fact that you just struggle to forgive people and let go of stuff, and that's why you're angry. So these things, Paul says, lack value in restraining sexual indulgence. He looks at our hearts and goes, you know what, we want to sin. There's, there's a desire thing going on. We have hearts that are raging for desires to do wrong. And so restraining our hearts by just saying, hey, don't do it, or just keep it practice, is like trying to restrain a, a big dog with a little piece of string. It's just going to snap it. I wonder if you've ever experienced this. You've tried so hard to change. You're going to say no to sin. You've read the books. You've done the things you're told to do. You serve some practices in your lifestyle. But in the end, you're the same old you. See, the problem isn't a matter of technique. It's a matter of location. Where are you? Why was my wheel useless? Because it's not connected to an engine. And Paul says these techniques are useless because they're just merely human. Do you see that? He says, uh, back over the page. Verse 22, these rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, so one day, yeah, they're all going to be useless, are based on merely human commands and teachings. They're in the wrong place. They're all about human stuff, and there's no Christ. Did you see that? Jesus isn't mentioned anywhere in these things. So how do we then grow as Christians? Okay, this is what we're going to think about now. How do we, as the globe church, be a discipling church to live all of life with Jesus? What's the answer? Well, we're going to learn from Paul. And his ministry and what he says to the Colossians. Have a look at 1 verse 28. I know we're dotting around, but um, have a look at 1 verse 28. This is where we see Paul's goal. Um, just at the very end of 1 verse 28, he says he wants to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Okay, So he's got the same as, aim as us. Disciples, living life with Jesus, being mature. That's his goal. So how does he get there? How do you grow in spiritual maturity? First thing. Okay, point number one. Where do we grow? Let's answer that question. Where do we grow? In Christ. Where do we grow? In Christ. This is the most foundational thing. Like we've been saying, a wheel disconnected from the engine is useless. And a Christian trying to grow disconnected from Christ won't grow. We need to realise where we are as Christians. Where are we? In Christ. Okay, I want, to, I want you to spot the in Christ language in Colossians. It's everywhere, okay? Um, have a look at 1 verse 27. At the end of the verse, uh, he's talking about this mystery, which is Christ in you. See that? Christ in you. Weird way of talking. Uh, verse 28, that bit we just saw, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It's kind of location language, isn't it? Uh, chapter 2, verse 6, just scoot down then. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus Lord, continue to live your lives in him. There it is again. 2, verse uh, 10. 
and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. It's location language, in Christ. It's a really odd way of talking, isn't it? But this is one of the most oh, amazing foundational realities of what it means to be a Christian. It's called union with Christ. Union with Christ. To be a Christian is to be brought so close to Jesus that we are spiritually united to him. In him, is the way Paul used to talk about it. So Jesus doesn't stand at a kind of distance from us and he chucks the forgiveness over to us. Jesus, I need forgiving. Okay, chucks the forgiveness to you over there. And we're like, okay, I've had the forgiveness. Now I want to change and grow. Okay, I've got to chuck some spiritual power to you over there. Christians and Jesus kind of having some weird interaction. No, 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 no. It's so much, much closer than that. We draw on Christ's love, Christ's, uh, his power, his righteousness, power for change, by drawing on him. We don't just get love or power chucked to us. We, we have Christ who we're united to. And that is how he, he strengthens us and blesses us and changes us. We are in him. So just like the, one, the wheel gets its power when it's in the engine... We get our strength to live the Christian life when we're spiritually in Christ. It's a mystery. It's really hard to understand. But this is the way people talk. We're in him. We like to say things like, oh, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, Christ. Jesus is really important. I just want to say, oh, more than you've ever realised. It's really about Jesus. Being united to him. Jesus has in himself everything we need for the Christian life. It's all in him. He's got everything. Look at verse 10 again. Such a key verse. In Christ, you Christians, as us in this room, have been brought to fullness. We don't get a kickstart in the Christian life from Christ. Saved you. Off you go, guys. No, in him, united to him, we have everything we need. We have fullness in him now. Okay, Jesus had another way of talking about the same thing. It's not just Paul, he's not making it up. Turn to John chapter 15. Remember, we're thinking about where are we? We are in Christ. This is how we grow. John chapter 15, verse 5, page 1083. John 15, verse 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says... I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the engine, you are the wheel. I am the vine, you are the branches. And Jesus says the way you bear fruit comes all comes down to where you are. What is he saying? You will bear, um, if you remain in me. Jesus, that's a weird way of talking. Yeah, but it's talking about a spiritual union. If you're in me, then you bear fruit. Imagine a branch. I'm a little branch. I'm like, oh, I like the little one from Guardians of the Galaxy. What's he called? Okay, little branch. Um, and growing out of the vine. Um, and thinks the vine's been really good, but it's time to fly the nest. As a little little branch goes, oh. what is it now? It's not a branch, it's a stick, right? It's, it's jumped out of the vine, it's gone it alone, and it lies there on the floor as a stick. 
apart from the vine, the branch is a stick. And Jesus says, apart from me, you're a stick. You can do nothing. Did you, did you get that? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not even a bit, Jesus. Not even a little bit of spiritual growth. Not a, even a little bit of overcoming sin. No. Nothing. Being in Christ is the only place to be able to restrain our simple hearts, to change, to mature. But can the wheel turn itself just a little bit? No. Apart from the engine, it can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we, we can't grow into as Christians. You see? Jesus is very clear. We've got to be in him. Now, how do we know that Jesus is the engine, that Christ is the engine, that he has the power to change us that these techniques don't have? Well, um, turn back to Colossians chapter 2. Why is Christ the one who actually has the power to change us if we're in him? Dead simple, it's because he's God. Right, that's, that's how he gets to be the engine, the, the, the vine that changes us. He's God. Um, chapter 2, verse 9. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. We are in Christ. Who is, or who is this Christ fellow then? Well, he is fully human and the fullness of the deity lives in him. He is fully God. So if you're united to Jesus, you're united to God himself. So you've got a choice for your Christian growth. Are you ready? You can have rules, you can have positive thinking, you can have methods, you can have religious <coughs> techniques, or you can be united to God himself. Which one are you going to go for? You can carry on telling yourself to stop it, or you could unite yourself with the one who has the power to change you, to create the universe and to rise from the dead. So do you need to reassess how you think we're going to grow in our Christian maturity? Do you need to change tactic in your fight against sin? Hey, rules are going to have their place. Chapter 3, there's plenty of them, but we've got to start with this. Rules have power. Christ rules have power when we're united to him. My guess is if your life is anything like mine, telling yourself to stop sinning isn't working. Saying, don't do that anymore, Phil. Stop it. It's not working. My guess is that believing in yourself and having just trying to think really positively has not got you very far. You set up some rules and, well, lo and behold, you manage to find a way around. We're pretty good at that. The key is Christ and your spiritual union with him. Christ grows the body in him. So what do we do? We turn to him for help. We turn to Christ and say, I needed you to save me. Now I need you to change me. So for the Globe Church to be a discipling church is for us to constantly turn to Christ. To not, we don't preach to you techniques on a Sunday. We don't just give you kind of happy feelings about yourself. Be the person you are meant to be. We give you Christ. We talk about Christ. He's the focus. Okay. So that's where we grow. And that's the most fundamental thing. We're not just a lifeless little branch or a stick or a wheel. We need the engine. We need Christ. We're united to him. Okay. Second question then, that's the where, but how do we grow then? How do we grow? The answer is in his word. Where do we grow? In Christ. How do we grow? In his word. So the question is, how do you then connect the wheel to the engine? 
How do the two get together if you know that it needs to be engine for power? How do Christians remain united to Christ so that we can draw on him for this growth and spiritual power and maturity? Well, here we come to Paul's method of ministry. What does he do then to help the Colossians grow in maturity? He lays out his way of maturing the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 25. He says, I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me, here's his method, to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So Paul serves the church by presenting to them the word of God in all its fullness. How do they grow in Christ? The word of God is presented to them. And Paul then shows the link between the word and Christ and how the two go together. Uh, He carries on. Uh, I present the word of God in all its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. This is his message. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, here's his big message, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that's a big complicated sentence. He talks about his message from the Bible being this mystery What's that mystery? Well, it's the Bible story about how the whole world can be saved. It was hidden. How could Gentiles, non-Jews, be saved? And now it's made known. What's the answer? What's the whole thing the Bible story has been leading up to? Christ. Christ in you. So the link between the word and Christ is that the word is all about Christ. We need to be in Christ for growth. And Paul says, well, I'm going to preach the word to you. How do the two go together? Well, the word is all about Christ. That's the whole point of the word, the Bible. So how do Christians grow in maturity? Paul presents to them the word of God, which is all about Christ. And that's how they get connected to Christ. He carries on talking about it. Verse 28. Christ, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What's Paul's message? Jesus Christ, he's the one we proclaim. And as he talks about Christ, that's what matures them in Christ. We grow spiritually through the word, which is all about Christ. So Paul doesn't come along with techniques or a kind of philosophy. He comes along with a book. But it's no ordinary book. This is the key. The Bible is the key to maturity in Christ because this book is all about Christ. How does that work? Well, as we read the Bible, that we see all that Christ has done for us. We go deeper into his promises. We learn how he wants us to live. We read his commands and we draw on him. As we put our faith in him, we unite it to him. And like the branch in the vine, like the wheel in the engine, Christ is united. So the Christian is united to Christ. Now, all of this might sound, one, quite confusing, but also quite unimpressive. It's a little bit Sunday school. How do we grow in maturity? Jesus and the Bible. That's basically what we said. Okay? If there's lots you didn't understand, we basically said we need Christ and we need his word. Sunday school. Now, since it sounds so ordinary and so Sunday school, you can see why other things might be more appealing to us because they sound more fresh, more innovative. Religious practices, psychological steps can make be very tangible. We get to do something. We like doing stuff. We get to do some practices. With this, we don't have a load of stuff we do. We do a lot of receiving. 
receiving from Christ, receiving from his word. Now hopefully you've noticed as you've been at the Globe Church that we've got some kind of patterns to how we do things. Basically, we talk a lot about Jesus and we open the Bible a lot. It's basically what we do at the Globe Church. Of all our things, we talk a lot about Christ and we open up the Bible a lot. Do you know why we do that? Because of what Paul did. Because that's how you're going to grow as Christians. We talk about Christ, we open up his word a lot. That's how we're going to grow. That's how the branches, you and me, stop being sticks and get connected to the line. So I want you to think about that as we go through the study and as you get to the practical bit at the end, think about what does it look like? How can we be a church who talk a lot about Christ and open up his Bible? Because that is the power for you and I to change. Where do we grow? We grow in Christ. How do we grow in him? His word. Jesus, the Bible, bread and butter, life-changing. Let's pray and then we'll get into the studies. Father, it's um, a bit of a mystery to us what it means to be in Christ. Thank you that it's real. That we are not distant from you, scrabbling around on our own, trying to grow, trying to overcome sin. Lord, many of us in this room feel so battered by our struggles and sin and weakness. Oh, but to know that we're united to you, we're actually one with Jesus, the one who has the power to help us, is incredible, even if it's a mystery. Thank you for our union with him by having faith in him. Thank you for the Bible, and we're really sorry that we treat it just like any other book. It's not. It's you speaking to us. It is your power to give us Christ, and in Christ, everything we need. Thank you that we have fullness in Christ. And I pray that you teach us more of that now. Lord, as we carry on in your word, may this very thing happen, that we are rooted and built up in Christ this evening. We need your Spirit's help. So we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.